God is good to us. Amen. I preached something a while back. I heard somebody here recently say something very similar. I preached about having my permission as pastor. You have my permission to, to fail. Amen. If you're trying and you fall short, don't beat yourself up. I'm not going to beat you up. But you don't have my permission to just not try at all. Amen. And just make excuses. Amen. That, that's, that's not God's will. I remember we were down in Louisiana. Brother Couch's church had a big meeting and, and, uh, they were playing, playing volleyball after the service. Most of the young people and some of the folks that thought they were young. Amen. And, uh, I, I told Brother Couch afterwards, I said, everybody just seems like they, they are good sportsmen like Christians ought to be and they're not, uh, not getting angry at one another. And he said, well, he said, that's important. And uh, he said, as long as you're trying. So there were some people that looked like they were professionals. They just, uh, I mean, they knew how to just set it and spike it and, and uh, just, just serve it right into the pocket and need to go. And there was other people that, that uh, were, were a whole lot less than that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, they, and they weren't, you know, at each other about it, you know. If that pro in the front, it went over their head and went down into the pocket where, where that person was maybe in the middle that didn't know what to do. And uh, they just they missed it. You know, they just kept going and, you know, encouraging each other. I said, that's, that's so good to see because people can get competitive and kind of get a little goofy with that. And uh, he said, well, as long as they're trying, doesn't matter what level they're in. We're all in this together. But I'll tell them if they're not going to at least try it, they're going to stand around, just watch it happen and get in the way, get out. Get out, let somebody else play. And I think that's, uh, there's a lot of wisdom to that. Praise God. You have the book of Proverbs, turn to 27th chapter. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, God. And Lord, thank you for your love and the love that we feel in this house, the power that we feel in this house, God. We just ask you to help us tonight again, Lord. And God, just talk to us and strengthen us and build us up in you, God. We want to be better for you. We want to give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I'm going to read our text in a little bit. Book of Proverbs. If you haven't been in it lately, go ahead and check it out for a while. It's so good. So much wisdom. Amen. So much there that is just going to help you in practical matters. One of the things I love about God and his word is if you will really just slow down and prayerfully open up the Bible and start to read it. If you will listen to what God's trying to deal with you even throughout the day, it's going to be so practical. It's not going to be way up over our heads. It's not going to be something that, you know, you need a degree. It's just God, God just walks with us and he help us right where we are. Amen. A uh, proverb is a short, concise, but forcefully expressive saying that states a moral truth. Just very, uh, a lot of the book of Proverbs is really just every verse. Just sometimes it's not even really tied in with the one before it or the one after it. But just something really concise, very clear. Hey, here's something about your character. Here's something about stewardship. Something about your, your the way you talk. Something about the way you treat other people. Something about your finances. All these things that... 
that God just drops a little wisdom there. And we are big, you know, there's a lot of times people say, no, and, I, and I, I like it, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of uh, people talking about quotes, things that people said that just, just uh, it's a short little saying that just kind of d- delivers some truth, and, and, and I like that, praise God. But a lot of times there have been things over the years that, that uh, people quote, and they say, ah, oh, I like how it says that in the Bible. And you say, where is that, the book of Hezekiah? <laughs> Because you find out a lot of folks have been told and maybe even preached to sometimes, hey, this is what the Bible says. And, and uh, you know, like, uh, 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 you know, I, I love where it says in the Bible, penny saved is a penny earned. <laughs> now, that is a proverb. And it is a concise truth and that conveys something about how we ought to, you know, be uh, wise with our finances. But Ben Franklin is not a book in your Bible. He was a wise uh, man and had a lot of things. Uh, he's the one that said early to bed, early to rise. It's, yeah, it's not in your Bible. Imagine that. You know, there's a lot of other things that people say. We talked about some of them, like uh, like uh, money is the root of all evil and how uh, people say that's in the Bible, but that's not what the Bible says. It's a love of money. But there are other things we might call Proverbs, not from the book of Proverbs, that convey a, a, an interesting thought or a, 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 some wisdom. I like a lot of them. Uh, you know, Ben Franklin wrote a lot of things like that. One of them, he said, uh, is he that lieth down with the dogs shall rise up with fleas. You say, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> kind of like those guys that were listening to Jesus talk about the sower. Yeah. But it means, you know, you, you, uh, you spend your night right. sowing wild oats and you're going ri- to wake up with some regrets. Amen. And so there's a there's a lot of that. There's a lot of things that people have thought that were in the Bible. You know, uh, somebody said, I like where it says cleanliness is next to godliness. I like that, too. You know, it was a preacher that actually it was John Wesley. He was uh, uh, they called him. He was the beginning of what's known as the Methodist because he had a method and his people. They had something they called the Holy Club and they had a lot of rules and things where they said this is how we wake up. This is what we do right away. And this is what we all going to do. And this is how we treat people. And and they had a a very regimented idea of what it meant to live for God. And and this was one of them. But it's not in the Bible. But I I like it. Nonetheless, it's nothing wrong with being clean. A lot right with being clean. God moves in mysterious ways. Do you believe that? Yes, sometimes I do. Sometimes people want to think it's mysterious, but it just makes sense. Sometimes I know his ways are far above our ways, but that's from a hymn. That's not really from the Bible. The idea is there in in a sense, really, but praise God. Uh, Some of them, like to thine own self, be true. That's Shakespeare. Hate the sin, but hate the sinner. That's Gandhi. That's, uh, do you believe in it? Sure, I believe in it. You know, that's, that's good. This too shall pass. I don't know who said that. But I believe it. Amen. And I'm not against, you know, this is wisdom. And, and, uh, but when you go to the book of Proverbs now, this is why it's just amazing. You know, I've, I've heard some really, really good thoughts from people. And this is why I try to, to try to really stay rooted in the Word. Because... Man at their best just doesn't even compare to the amazing richness of God. I'm turning to Proverbs 27. And in all these really neat sayings, then you go to how God says things. Verse 5 says, open rebuke is better than secret love. It's better that somebody just tell you the truth. Then play games and hide their feelings. and You know, God just kind of 
cuts right down into it with the sword of the spirit. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Ben Franklin didn't touch this. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The full soul loatheth the honeycomb. But to the hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. One of the things that God is telling us here, and I think this is such a, really a, a theme of, uh, of importance in the Word of God, is that, that God is such a good parent. Yeah. And uh, a loving God. A God that cares enough that He would leave the glory of heaven and come down and dwell in humanity and pay a price for sin. Such a price to pay. But recognize that in this understanding of God relaying His truth to us, sometimes it stings. As we see this generation, and I'm sure there's always been selfish, self-centered attitudes, but... My, in this culture that we're living in, that we see people so entitled. So many people that want to just... Uh, I remember I was thinking about a man that I worked with. I don't even know that I was 20 years old when I worked at Arthur's probably. But it was a restaurant and, and there was a man there that worked there who was a homosexual. Very open about it. More open than I sure cared to know about. And But one day we did get to talking a little bit. And he... He began to talk to me about how he came into or came out into his lifestyle and talked about, very honestly, talked about the guilt, said about how he felt like like he had murdered somebody and that everybody around him knew. They were looking at him, condemning him. His conscience was killing him. And I just let him talk and he said, I... But, you know, after a while, I just stopped feeling that little by little. And I said, you realize you compared, Denny, you compared your lifestyle to, to murder, to, to killing somebody. He said, I know what I'm doing isn't right. He said, but he, just, he went on and said another thing and justified. I said, but I know, every, nobody's, you know everybody's got their own sins, so what I'm doing isn't any different than anybody else. We're living in a day when now... It's not enough to say what I'm doing is sin, it's wrong, it's rebellion, but you, you can't, you, you gotta have everybody saying, I'm, I'm for you, I love it, I agree with you, or, or they're your enemy, they're, 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 they're homophobic, they're transphobic, they're Islamophobic, they're, you know, a lot of fear going on these days, it used to just be spiders when I was growing up. You know, arachnophobia, you know, it's like, what does that mean? That means you're scared of spiders. Now we're scared of everything, apparently. We don't, uh, we don't agree with it. We fear it. That's so stupid. But today's generation is so many different levels of that where people, they want to be validated. They, they, they don't want to hear. But God's a good parent. See, he's going to see those things that are bringing guilt in your life. And he's not going to let you feel comfortable in that. He doesn't want you to be, be, be comfortable with, with what's killing you. What's destroying you with what's going to send you to hell. Amen. Amen. So he says, 
There's something better than even somebody that loves you. Somebody that's honest with you and tells you, hey, you, you need to change your ways. God is, loves you enough to tell you the truth. Yes. This kind of preaching is, is, uh, is what this world hates these days. The kind of love that, that confronts, that intervenes. So what God does. He'll try to get your attention. He'll try to shake you awake. Amen. He says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. The kisses of an enemy, they're deceitful. I'm telling you, I've seen it more and more and more where where people just flock to somebody who tell them a lie that that will validate their their self-destruction. But inside, they know. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But there is a there there is an understanding that God cares enough for you. How many have ever have ever uh, maybe as a as a parent if, with nothing but love, nothing but love, praise God to try to try to help somebody see, hey, this this is this is hurting you. This is taking you away from from what God has for you. Amen. You got nothing to gain. At all by telling somebody something they don't want to hear. How many times as a pastor, just that heart of God, that heart of a parent that, that, that we, I I know many of us understand that it's like, I I don't have anything to gain by upsetting you or making you feel like I'm pushing you away. But, but my love compels me to tell you why do you want to? Make decisions that are that are when when God has so much better for you. I know a lot of times people. It it really is so strange to me. I I think people really don't read their Bibles. I really don't think people under try to to really understand their Bibles because they come around church and say I don't understand why why you act that way preacher why do you why do you why do you have that kind of an attitude and 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 you know you need to come across in a way that just makes everything so light and fluffy and friend and and I think do you know your Bible at all I mean if you're going to read this and study this and think that Moses was you know the author of winning friends and influencing people. <laughs> I mean, let's let's just take a time. I'm not saying he wasn't a nice guy. I'm not saying he wasn't probably the best friend they ever had. But, you know, when he came down off the mountain from a prayer meeting and he saw them dancing naked around the idol and he said, friends and brothers, (laughs) brethren, we, we need to have a talk now. God loves you. God loves you. Don't get me wrong. And I don't want to upset anybody. Wow. I mean, I mean, you might say, well, Moses was having a bad, he was having a great day. He had a great 40 days. Amen. He was in the presence of God and he, he took those tables of stone and threw them down in anger. Oh, you're not supposed to be angry. Oh, come on now. There's some things that ought to make you angry. Something's wrong. When you see people just in complete rebellion, say, oh, don't, don't raise your voice and don't be like that. You know, you can't be like, hey, I'm going to tell you something. You want a hireling that's going to just smile while you're going to hell? Amen. That's so sad to me. That's not love. You see the prophets and, and they spoke in the heart of God. You will never see at that point where, where God said, now Moses, 
Dial it back a little bit, man. You just treat them so poorly. My little babies, come on. Here, let me give you a hug. He was angry because God was angry. Amen. Praise the Lord. All the way to John. He sees them in their self-righteousness. You know, the, the, the soldiers come and, and say, hey, what do we need to do? You need to repent. Yeah. Amen. He didn't say don't do anything. God just loves you. Just keep on. No, stop doing violence to people like you do. Right. Amen. Do your job the way you need to do. Amen. Tax collectors, quit taking more than you deserve. Right. And you religious leaders, you bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. You bunch of rattlesnakes. Right. Amen. Right. You... you, t- you Say that you're some kind of missionary and you care about souls. You go over there, try to convert them. They end up twofold more child of hell than you are, he said. Ooh, this, he said that. You know, your Bibles, and you say, I don't understand why why sometimes a preacher just doesn't have that warm, fuzzy, you know, attitude. Did you read your Bible? This is God's heart sometimes. Amen. God is loving. God is so good, but he's a good parent. He's a good parent. You know, Paul told him so often, he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to send you this letter and I hope you get this straightened out before I get, to, before I get there, because I'd rather it just go easy than go rough. And I'd rather just not just exercise the authority that God's given me to your edification, not to your destruction, but it was authority nonetheless. God's see all this that I'm talking about, uh, uh-uh. uh, I don't think you or me or anybody needs to be threatened by it because a good father knows how to lead us. And he's not trying to destroy us. He loves us. He'll chasten whom he loves because he's not just going to throw you out. But he will chasten you because he wants you to be saved. He's on on your side. Amen. He is for you. But he doesn't play games. And that's the thing about real love. It's not a lot of drama. It's not a lot of games, but uh, hallelujah. But it's good. If you really want to just give up your way, I'll tell you what makes it tough is when you're trying to hold on to your way. Amen. You're trying to, to keep what God's saying. I've got something better for you. Can you imagine us praying about some things just today, thinking about things that people hold on to that are destructive to them. And I think if you just let go and see what God has for you, can you think, I mean, there's probably going to be some, some very, very surprised people in the end saying, you know, what? I, I held on to this. I needed this. God said, well, not only did you lose your soul, but you know what I would have given you if you would have just let me have control of that part of your life. I could have given you something that satisfied you, something that brought you joy. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, I'm going to tell you, you look out in the world and you see that sinner boy, you see that sinner girl, and you think you can't live without them. God help us. Praise God. God help us. Come on, you just listen to what this preacher has to say to you. Amen. When God gives you something good. Amen. He's going to bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. It's still not going to be easy because life's not easy for any of us. Amen. So you want somebody that's going to help you and build your faith. Amen. And pray with you. Amen. You're looking out in the world at all these things that the, the world says you've got to have sin that, that just pulls you away from the things of God. And when God has life and God has abundant life. Amen. Say, oh, I don't know why you have to preach like that. Because God cares about you. 
enough to not let you go and destroy things in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Things little by little pull you away from prayer, pull you away from the house of God, pull you away from the things of God. And you begin to weaken. You begin to not have the strength to say no to temptation, not have the strength to say no to, to the enemy's snares in your life. See, you have to have strength to, to fight this fight. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. Amen. And, and if you don't have that armor on, what are you going to do? Good intentions. Well, you know what the proverb says. That's what the road to hell is paved with. It's not in the Bible, but but God is good. You know what the Bible says? Uh, in Acts, the seventh chapter, Stephen's preaching to them about Jesus. Starts pointing out their, their stubbornness, their rebellion. Starts shining a light on the fact they're religious, but they're not saved, really. They're not loving Jesus. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. It hit home. I want to tell you, in my life, I've just been so thankful that God cared enough about me not to let me be comfortable in church pew with sin in my life. You can say, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to feel like I, I don't want to be embarrassed and have to go to an altar. God, thank you for loving me enough to correct me. Thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth. I don't need that that comfort and validation. I I just want to get closer to you, God. That's what's really living. They heard these things. They were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. I, I don't know just how that scene played out, but these guys were so angry. They lost their minds. I've never come across any kind of explanation that made this kind of just kind of means something it just doesn't look like but man they rushed him they grabbed a hold of him they took him outside the city and stoned him and somewhere between grabbing him getting out there they were so so angry they're they're biting on him (laughs) but i will say that it's reminiscent reminiscent of another spot where the bible talks about there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth it's kind of like a little bit of hell just showed itself Amen. That's gnashing on the preacher that had nothing to gain by making them angry. I know how it is when you're a child. You know, you just think everybody, you know, you just mom and dad just just don't like you. That's why they make you stay home at a certain hour and don't want you having what the other everybody else has. You know, everybody's getting this and everybody's wearing this. Amen. Well, praise God. And, uh, you know, you know, parents that are just unreasonable say, no, when you're in my house, you're going to look, you know, you're you're a man. You're going to look like a man. You're going to act like a man. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're just going to tell them how it is. And oh, you you don't care about me. You don't love me. Amen. And, you know, and everybody, the, the, the teacher, the police, everybody's just out to get you. They don't. How? How ridiculously selfish it is to think everybody's got their attention on just making you have a bad day. 
But you see that throughout the word of God. You see God reaching and God loving and God caring. And instead of saying, oh, be merciful to me, a sinner. The majority of folks, some do. But I'll tell you what the biggest problem is. The biggest problem that I've seen, I see it in the Bible. I see it regularly in church. You know, I'm so angry. I'm so upset. I can't believe that preacher said, you knew we'd believe that. You knew the Bible said that. And I'll tell you what, you already knew it was wrong. God was already dealing with you. You know, Sister Daphne was talking a little bit. Sister Flosser was talking a little bit. And, and it's not uncommon for somebody to say, oh, you know, I had something in my heart. And then all of a sudden just just uh, in a, a preaching or the exhortation or something happened in the service. And it just right there, God, God dealt with it. And you love that. And it's awesome. But if somebody is holding on to something that they don't want to let go of, God's already dealing with you. I'm telling you, everybody's ever been angry or upset with the preaching or just how it came across and. You know, it, it's because they, they knew what they were doing a long time ago. Right. Just like my buddy at, at the, the restaurant. He, he knew. Right. Now, if he comes around, I'm so angry. Well, how dare you preach against it? How dare you tell me it's wrong? Yeah, oh, come on. You already knew. You already knew. The biggest problem is God was already talking to you. Before the preacher ever got in the pulpit, before he ever opened up his Bible, you knew. I've seen folks already in church, you know, they, they're already sitting there saying, he better not talk about it. He better not get on that topic. Oh, I'll tell you, I'm going to be so upset. I already got their guns loaded for bear. Amen. Because they are, they, they, they're already fighting what God's dealing before I ever get here. The same way you say, I need help, I need an answer, I need wisdom, I need direction. And God meets that order just right. There's that conviction. And God's not going to let you sit there comfortable. He said, woe unto those that are at ease in Zion. People know they're wrong. People know sin is sinful. People know something's wrong. People know they need help, but they're so hard to hold on to what God's trying to say. Come on. Got something so much better for you than that. That's not helping you. And people will. People will hold on to things in, in their rebellion, in their, you know, First Samuel 15. You don't have to turn to it, but Saul was justifying himself. God said, I want you to do it just this way. And Saul, you know, he did some of it, but he did not fully obey God. And and when Samuel said, wait a minute, God told you exactly what he wanted. Don't try to improve on it. Don't try to add to it. Don't take away from it. Right. Well, you know, I just. But Saul feared the people. He was more interested, like we said this morning, in what people thought than what God thought. And God, when you start putting God first, you're going to find out he knew he knew what was best all along. He's just the best father. You know, as a parent, you see more, you know more, you have more experience, you're praying about things. But God knows everything before it even happens. He, he knows what's best. He knows your gifts, your abilities, your strengths, your weaknesses. And, and so Saul begins to just justify his actions. And rather than say... I messed up. I was wrong. That's what David did. Isn't that amazing? David, later on, he commits adultery. He covers it up by murdering the husband. 
then when the prophet comes to him and says, hey, you're the man. This is what you did. He immediately humbles himself and says, I, I've sinned against God. And you can see some of the most amazing brokenness in his psalms that he wrote about uh, in repentance, like Psalm 51 and others. But Saul begins to justify his actions. Saul begins to, to, to kind of cover for himself and make excuses for it. And um, says, we're going to use this. You know, God said to destroy all these, uh, this livestock. We're going to use it to sacrifice to God, you know. We're going to use it. And I don't know. I, I, I highly, this is my opinion now. And I'll let you know when it's my opinion. But it's my opinion he probably came up with that on the spot. I don't think he told those guys, hey, save those, man. We're going to give those to God. I think that was his excuse that he's like, you know, no, 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 no. I know we didn't kill it all. He probably thought it lo- they looked like they were valuable. All right. Well, no, we're going to sacrifice that to God. And, and, and Samuel says obedience is better than sacrifice to, to hearken or to obey better than the fat of rams. And he said your rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Yeah. Wow. Right. Because you're not submitted to God. You're, you're doing your will. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected thee from being king. Wow. You're you're still living your will, your way, rather than saying, God, you're God. I submit, I surrender all to you. That just means I'm going to do what you said you want and love what you love and learn to hate what you hate. But I'll tell you where people get angry. And they go for the prophets, the false preachers that... That tell them lies, that tell them what they want to hear. You'll see it over and over and over. Jeremiah says people, prophets prophesy lies, and, but the people love to have it so. And on and on you'll see where in, in Elijah's day and in uh, other times of the word of God, sometimes uh, the, the kings would have hundreds and hundreds of false prophets. Remember the one time it was Ahab and Jehoshaphat and they were going out to battle. Jehoshaphat was a pretty great guy. Uh, He really messed up when he started just binding forces with Ahab because Ahab was a very evil king. And Jehoshaphat said, well, you know, are you going to pray about this? Oh, sure. Let's bring in my prophets. So he brings in hundreds of prophets and they're all just, oh, yes, you're going to conquer. Thus saith the Lord. Everything's going to go your way. Victory, victory is yours. And the one guy had visual aids. You know, he had uh, horns of iron. He said, you're going to push back the enemy just like this. And he's, they're having a great time. And Jehoshaphat's just not feeling that anointing there. He's not connecting with what's going on. He said, don't you have another prophet? And Ahab says, I got one, but I don't like him. He never says anything good about me. Hmm. Is it because the prophet was bad? Well, you know, when you're a spoiled brat, that's exactly right. Amen. In one place, Ahab said, have you found me, oh, my enemy? So who was it? Micaiah that came in and said, yeah, okay, just go have victory. <laughs> Everything. Yep, you're going you're gonna to be all right. He said, and then... I, Ahab, see, he, he, see how he acts? I can't stand this guy. Why don't you tell me the truth? He says, well, you're going to go in peace, but you're going to come back in pieces. And if you come back alive, then I am a false prophet. Because God's not in this. And he is angry. And so often you see that Jeremiah spent a lot of time 
in, in, in a dungeon because he's telling the truth. And, then the, and you know what? You know what happened then? The king would come to him and I'd say, hey, hey, Jeremiah, tell me what's going on. But I don't want anybody to know that I already know you've been telling me the truth, but I'm just scared what people think about me. I want what I like. We like to put the blame on everybody else. See, it's so hard because of this and it's so hard. No, it's hard because you got to just listen to God. It's hard because you got to give up your will and understand that God's always been good for you. He's not against you. He's for you. Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 14, the Pharisees also who were covetous. See, they're fighting Jesus and they're telling everybody he's wrong. He's a liar. He's full of a devil. You know, he's, you know, we need to. And what was it? They wanted what he had. They wanted money and they wanted, wanted popularity. They wanted the praise of men. And they heard all these things and derided Jesus. They derided him. Luke 16, 15. And he said unto them, ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination is abomination in the sight of God. They justified themselves. They found somebody to agree with them, somebody to feel sorry for them, somebody to to hear all their excuses. Oh, you poor thing! That you know, I can't believe that 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 preacher. What's his name? Jesus. He's so mean to you. You know, he wants things a certain way and it's his way or the highway. It's God's way. Amen. It's God's way. Amen. They came against Jesus to the point where we said it this morning. They crucified him. Because they could not humble themselves. But you rest assured. Before. Before you ever hear it preached, God's already if you'll listen, God's already knocking at every heart's door. God's dealing with those you're praying for. God's calling them. God's convicting them. The problem is, you hear it all along in our culture today. See, you've got too much hate. What are you calling hate? Well, you don't agree with me. (laughs) You have an opinion. That doesn't validate my opinion. God needs to be God if we're going to be blessed. And we've got to lay our opinions down. We've got to lay our will down and just say, God, you're so good. See, the, the best thing I think that really can happen to any of us and, and, and in my life as well, to just say, God, uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of folks against me, but, you know, me looking out for number one has failed me. I need you. When I think this is just perfect, I need to stop and say, God, what do you think is perfect? When I think I've got it all figured out, I've got to say, God, I've been pretty dumb thinking I know everything. God, talk to me and help me. Pride that says nobody's going to talk to me. Nobody's going to help me. Nobody's going to call me a sinner. Nobody's going to say you need to, to repent of anything. That's always been the path to destruction. But I love what I see. We know it so well in Acts, the second chapter. Peter stands up. That same one that denied that he even knew Jesus. That same one that's always seems to be putting his foot in his mouth. He's got a lot of zeal, but he's not got a lot of wisdom. But now he's full of the Holy Ghost. Now it's, 
after the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and now he's been filled with this baptism, and he stands up in the midst of a crowd of thousands and said, hey, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when he said it, you know what happened? When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Same kind of language, really, there from Acts 7, where they were cut to the heart. I remember where even Jesus was telling Mary, it's going to come a time when, when you get pricked in your heart, where that sword comes and finds you. And she was there on the day of Pentecost. She needed the Holy Ghost just like every one of them. And these folks, when they were pricked in their heart, they didn't get angry. They didn't start chewing on the preacher. Screaming and yelling and getting crazy. Somebody get a stone. Somebody get him out of here. But it says they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? You know, they, they said a lot of things that showed they needed, needed that conversion experience, even walking with Jesus. They needed that new covenant that hadn't come yet through the blood and death, burial, and resurrection. We see it in what's called the New Testament, but the New Testament really didn't start until that day on Pentecost when after the, the blood had been shed, after that burial and resurrection. Amen. And, but you know, they had enough sense to be able to sit at that Passover meal and when Jesus said, somebody's going to betray me, you know, really with their character, it would have almost seemed fitting for them to say, not me, probably him. Because not too many chapters before that, they were saying, who's the greatest? Not you. Hey, you know where I sit? Yeah, I know, but I think I'm going to get over there closer than they were fussing at who. And one time it said they got their mom involved. So it would seem almost fitting that they would say, you know, I don't know. You know, Jesus or, or Peter said, you know, I'm I'm not going to deny you. But this time they started saying, is it I? Is it I? Is it me? I, I don't want to think myself too strong. I don't want to be proud. Conviction. A friend that will tell you the truth. God dealing with your heart. Don't don't push it out. Keep loving God. Keep serving God. But we are part of a process. Was had a great conversation just, I think, earlier last week with brother about the idea of what the Bible calls sanctification. You come to God, you're saved. That's not the end. In fact, I'd question if it's even the beginning, if you don't enter the process of being able to say, okay, God, now my life is yours. You help me. Start making me more holy. Start making me more what you have created me. Take out the old. There's a lot of things that happen right when you come to God. There's a lot of amazing things that change. But you know what? Some other things are part of a process. You need to be a part of that process. That God can say, that's not the way my children talk. That's not the way my children live. Come on now. Say, oh, everybody, nobody's perfect. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about growing. Amen. Talking about learning. Talking about hearing God tell you, we can do better than that. You'll be glad you did. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please?
If you're familiar with your Bible, a lot of good sayings, a lot of good quotes, a lot of good devotionals are out there. But I'll tell you, this Bible, you're going to see a God that loves you enough not to play games, loves you enough to tell you the truth and help you grow. Help you learn. Sanctify your life. Hallelujah. So important that we allow ourselves to be sensitive to God. He'll he'll make us feel uncomfortable with things that He doesn't want in our lives. Things that He knows will damage us. He cares enough about you to not want you to be damaged. It's more than just saying, I'm on my way to heaven. It's a walk that grows deeper. Hallelujah. Adding to your faith, adding to virtue, adding to your knowledge, adding. And he said, when you do these things, you'll never fall. God's so good. Listen. generation where a healthy family is so uncommon. Healthy friendships. Self, uh, being selfish, self-absorbed, entitled seems to be the order of the day. But families and friends that are not just yes men, that just don't go along with anything and everything, because they care, because it's love. Years ago, they started calling it tough love. But listen, it's just love. That's what love is. It doesn't always tell you. Sometimes it, it wounds your ego. It wounds your pride. But that's a faithful friend. It tells you what you need to hear, not always what you want to hear. That's love. But it takes a lot of pride. It takes a lot of... Rebellion takes a lot of stubbornness to say, no, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to. When you know God just wants to take you higher. Oh, I'd rather love people with a genuine love. I'd rather be sincere to tell a friend the truth than to give up my soul and tell a lie to save a friend. That's not a friendship. That's not a love. Say, oh, they'll hate you if you tell them the truth. Well, somebody's going to hear God. Somebody's going to believe what God says. God has said. And you, child of God, when you stand for truth, not getting in people's faces, not trying to be confrontational, no, 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 not at all, but loving people enough to... Say, God, help them be saved. Help them. Help me to help them be better. Can I go along? I can't legitimize your sin. I can't agree with something that's just obviously not the will of God. But I care about you. Hallelujah. It's a heart of God. It's a heart of someone who loves. Let's find a place to pray. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for teaching us and leading us. Thank you for leading us, God. Hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus.
let God be God in your life. That's it. That's it. Just obey the Lord.
by day, Lord, lead us. Day by day, lead us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand again, Father. We thank you for your presence here tonight. Thank you for your help, for your touch, God. Thank you, Lord, for just being so good to us, God, to not only bless us with so much, God, but to but to shine your light of truth in our lives and to guide us away from sin and into your righteousness, God. Lead us, our hearts, our minds, our lives, our thoughts, our words. Lord, whatever it is, God, help us to just be living for you, God, because your, your will is so good. Bless your people now, I pray, God. Keep us as we travel. Keep us, Lord, in safety and health. God, I pray, use us for your kingdom. Use us to shine a light to somebody that needs you. Bless, Lord, I pray, Lord, all that would be done tomorrow. With people with their families, God, just help us to, to be blessed and to be a blessing. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. God bless you.